When you're an American Express Platinum Card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even, checkout's not until four, so. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Uh, Mom? This is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. This crowd rises to its feet. Pacaro slammed it home. Darwin left wing, free ball. Perfect. Darwin part of the lane, lobbed him. Mobley, pow. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Pow with the left hand and a foul. Welcome to Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Chase Down is presented by Fubo, the official streaming partner of the Cavs. Watch over 350 channels of live sports and TV, including Bally Sports Ohio, without cable. There's no cost and no commitment. Try for free at FuboTV.com slash Cavs. The Cleveland Cavaliers dropped their first game after the All-Star break to the Orlando Magic. Joining me to discuss that is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? Didn't the Cavs know that I was really excited to watch a win <laughs> after an extended break from the team? Uh, very inconsiderate. Um, you know, I'm hurt, but I'll, I'll, I'll work through it. Oh, you're hurt. Yeah. yeah. You, you, you don't get to pull that for a, a solid couple months when you're podcasting with this here guy. Uh, it was a tough loss, uh, against the magic. Um, you know, I kind of felt like the first half, you know, you're, you're knocking off some rust. It, it was a bit of a rock fight both ways. Uh, seemed like they found their footing defensively, but just couldn't seem to, you know, fully gain control of this game um i thought there was some good some bad some really interesting uh i think all of the matchups that we've had against orlando have been instructive in different ways and i i think the first thing that i want to jump into obviously you know no donovan mitchell in this game but i think the Cavs still had more than enough to win this game they've gotten quality wins this season without mitchell i just don't think that they played a particularly great game and when you look at the schedule that they have coming down the rest of the season, when you look at kind of the the grind and, and that being as big of a challenge as the individual teams, depth is going to be one of the most important things. And I think tonight was a night where the depth just wasn't really on point uh, when it came to the bench production. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the fact that in our last pod, I kind of talked about film. Like, if I was angsty about anything, it was that the Cavs' fastball wasn't good enough. I thought the, I thought the Cavs' starters played pretty well tonight um, on balance. I mean, I don't think they played great. I don't think anyone played great. Yeah. Um. Well, 
Isaac played great. Um, but like, you know, like I don't think that they were playing like super star, star ball, but they were, you know, they were winning their minutes. Um, and this is one of the first times in a while where I just felt like the collective bench just wasn't there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just, I mean, sometimes the story is as simple as the plus minuses. And you look at the the magic starters, Bancaro minus seven, Franz minus 12, Wendell Carter minus 11, Gary Harris minus 10, and Suggs, who uh, left with that head injury um, on, on the friendly fire, was minus 12. Then you look at their bench, Jonathan Isaac plus 17, Mo Wagner plus 18, Joe Ingles plus 23, and boy, did it feel like it. Anthony Black plus 21. Like, the Cavs just couldn't find the right lineups tonight. And even when the quote-unquote right lineups were in, I just don't think they executed that well. Um, I just, it just, it was a rough game. It it never felt felt good for, except maybe the beginning stretch of the third quarter, a little bit in the middle of the second. I, I liked the way the game started. Um, again, I really liked what their starters did in this one, but yeah, just, it wasn't a connected game. And then, you know, (laughs) yeah, I know I got caught mid on. Um, and then like also, you know, then, then all the stuff that like, that just feels real bad. You know, the Mo Wagner is going to, is quickly going to move up, uh, the Cavs most hated, uh, opposing players list, uh, sooner rather than later as the magic go from like fun peculiarity to legitimate Eastern conference contender over the next couple of years. And, uh, you know, so all that stuff just feels worse when nothing else is going great, I guess is what I would say. Yeah. And, and in the first half in particular, I, I think the team was just a step slow, um, like quite a few unforced errors. And, you know, sometimes you feel being a little slow in your processing speed and your decision-making on the offensive end a little more than the defense defense, you know, so often it can just feel like, Oh, well, you know, they're getting out toughed or, or they weren't in position or whatever the case may be. But really when you're a step slow, it opens up opportunities for guys like a Mo Wagner who are being very assertive in their minutes to kind of get that head of steam, right? Like, I, I think if you're in position and the rotations are a little bit quicker, it's harder for him to gather and really kind of, you know, get the momentum that he had going to the basket as often as he did. Now, th- there's a few times where, um, call it 50-50 calls, wh- whatever you want to call it, um, I didn't necessarily agree with what he was being allowed to do. Um, there was a little bit of uh, Moel and Bede kind of stuff going on too with him that, that drove me nuts. Um, but I, I think, you know, overall, they were just a step slow defensively. And while you're right on aggregate, the the starters didn't lose them this game. Um, everyone with the exception of Isaac Okoro had a positive plus minus, which again would go into the category of plus minus doesn't tell the full story because I, I thought Isaac played a very good game. Um, but when I look at, at the first half in particular, Darius, uh, was far from assertive. Um, he, you know, he, part of that, I thought it was interesting when it was announced that Donovan was out. I was like, oh, Jalen Suggs is going to be on him. Jalen Suggs gave Donovan a hard, hard time last time that he played against him. And he's one of the best guard defenders in the league. And, I thought maybe that was going to make things a little bit more difficult for him. I think in the second half with with Suggs out of the game, you saw that Garland was able to get his shot off a little bit more, but I really don't feel like it was necessarily lockdown defense. I thought, 
you know, he was just a little bit in, in his own head, um, didn't seem to be a, as decisive. And I thought the Garland that we got in the second half, even though it wasn't phenomenal by any stretch of the imagination, if we got a full 48 minutes of that, I, I think that would have been enough in this game. That might have been enough to overcome some of the issues that they had with the bench. Uh, you know, you, you look up and down the plus minus for the bench, you're like George Niang at minus 20. Like th- those minutes just flat out and go well. But um, I, I really thought that on a night where, where Donovan was out, there just wasn't consistent enough aggressive play uh, from the remaining three stars that the Cavs had. Like even Mobley had moments that I, I thought were very assertive and aggressive. And then other times where I just didn't feel them as much as I'm accustomed to. Yeah, I mean, I think that's all fair. Um, you know, it's like, I, I think I would just say, like, I thought Darius was okay to pretty good in this game uh, on a night where the Cavs needed him to be very good, you know? And, like, that's tough. That That's a that's kind of a tough outcome. And, you know, he's the kind of player where you kind of have come to expect very good, and it's just been such a weird year for him where, you know, and then, and then you know, Magic are just such a – I mean, I just – let me just say, I love the Magic. I think they're awesome. Uh, yeah, they yeah they were really physical and chippy tonight. Um, but they also just have really cool, smart defensive personnel. Jonathan Isaac is a game wrecker yep. on that end. There were a lot of possessions down the stretch of this one where they generated a good, you know, they ran a great action that led to Jonathan Isaac being on Darius and that's just not a plus matchup right now. Yep. Maybe, maybe maybe it will be, you know, later in the year when Darius gets his feet under him. But this guy. But even then, like Isaac, even then, I mean, he best. is like a when he's healthy, he is an A plus 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 defender. Yeah, when, when you talk about him, percentile prior to those injuries, like you're talking about a six eleven, super lengthy, super athletic guy that that can guard on the perimeter. Uh, like that's just not you. You don't want him on the guards period like and he's he can be really dominant on that end and I I think one of the interesting trends that I've noticed and some of this I I think it's worth noting um that a lot of the matchups that the Cavs had against the Magic were before they kind of found their form and, and kind of rediscovered their identity but I think it's noteworthy that Orlando does seem to do a very good job of getting the Cavs off of the three point line um in their two Only wins 22 attempts man 22 attempts, and honestly, that was tied for the second most attempts they've had against the Magic this season. The two games wow. they won against Orlando, one of them being a blowout, 22 three-point attempts. The Sam Merrill game. Yeah, uh, 22 three-point attempts, 20 in the other one, and then in their losses, 33 and 22. So it, it's kind of funny that, you know, one of those high volume, higher volume, not necessarily high volume games w- was a loss, um, but... I do think that Orlando does a good job with the length that they have at every single position, running the Cavs off of the three-point line, making them a little bit more uncomfortable. And one of the things that we identified as something we're watching down the stretch is, are the Cavs able to implement their style regardless of the opponent, regardless of what's being done? And I feel like tonight was a night where they weren't really able to do that. No, no, they got they got totally suckered <laughs> into playing... And they got rope doped into playing ugly basketball. Um, you know, part of that is no Donovan, uh, who is, you know, their best rim pressure avenue by a mile. But I do think there was just a lot of the side to side stuff where the guards just were a little sleepy. 
you know um like you run you 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 know you run a pin down for Karis. he comes and grabs it then goes into a dribble handoff or, or i'm sorry into a, into a into a pick and roll at the top and you know just kind of saunters around and the mat and gary harris just kind of goes a little bit under and and maintains connection like i just don't think the Cavs did a very good job of generating advantage in this game and i think you have to start with their guards for that you know yep. there's the, the orlando it's not like yeah like jonathan isaac's awesome it's not like they were orlando just said switch everything and keep them in front of us because they don't have donovan i thought for the most part they just stayed in their shell and the Cavs never really got them out of it um yeah. you know and i don't think this was a case they've had low volume three-point shooting games where i felt like they've passed up a ton of open threes i just don't think they generated many yeah um uh you know again this is i don't like matchups like this with niang when teams are as big as us but also athletic like it's just a rough spot for him and you know so like like he's just not going to get the clean looks that you want him to get you know max only got up three which is like not enough yeah um and, and it's funny because you look at the box score and you're like oh 18 points like a little bit of a, a max breakout but i i completely agree like i don't think that the Cavs were passing up threes at a high rate in this game i i think they just weren't able to generate them in the same way and i am going to push back a little bit because you, you say you know orlando a team that's as big as us to me this game's a little bit of a reminder that we aren't that big like yes we have mobley and allen but Outside of that, like it's a lot of six five, it's a lot of six seven. Like Orlando's a team with true size. I don't think there's a lot of teams that that have the size that they do. And like outside of you know Dean Wade coming in off the bench, even when you have George at the four, like you're at a size disadvantage in this game. And um, I I understand. I guess what, what I, if, yeah, if I can if I can correct a little bit. It's hard when George is at a size and speed disadvantage. You yes. know. And like that's what the magic do, yeah. um, you know. Obviously, you know Sam had his monster game. I thought this was going to be a big Sam Merrill game again. They just they just were th- throwing bodies at him every yeah. time he touched the ball. He only got two three point attempts up in twelve minutes. That's a a paltry six per thirty six. Uh, it felt is, a lot you know, like the the Clippers matchup where yeah he's running off all the same actions, but the length is closing out and he's really not generating those opportunities and. Some some of the levers that JB pulled in this game, I agreed with. Like in the first half, going Craig Porter Jr., Sam Merrill, Karis LeVert. Um, I wouldn't have minded more of that. I felt like just like you know, if they're not going to give it to you, just keep cycling till you find it, kind of yeah. thing. You know? Yeah, I, I I liked going to it, but the results weren't there, right? Like that yeah. lineup didn't work out, and really, that's when Orlando first got their first ten point game uh, lead of the game, right? Um, and I just felt like, you know, going to some of those guys to kind of ungunk the, the offense and get a spark. Like he was trying a lot of things. He was going to a lot of different guys and they just weren't really providing it. Like I thought Karras was competing hard on the defensive end, but offensively, this was one of his tougher games of the season, you know, 27 minutes and you get six points and two assists, two of 10 shooting. Like that's right. I thought, I thought he had, I think his worst game of the year. Again, like a lot of these just sauntering. I mean, you're down seven points in the fourth quarter. 
you're you're trying you need a three to keep it close and we end up burning the 18 19 seconds off the shot clock and taking a a contested 16 footer like yeah. you know just like i felt like it was all the worst impulses of being of those kind of sleepy drifting offensive possessions and like when you're the backup point guard you can't do that <laughs> you yeah. have to you have to apply vertical pressure uh you know down get downhill i just don't think we ever got downhill even against defenders that you know anthony black i think has a lot of tools but like i i think he's a guy who you can get a good angle on and get down on hill on and uh, darius did that on quite a few possessions the fact that we just were like well we just can't attack joe ingles you know there was just like not a lot there was just it was just sleepy man i just yeah. felt like the whole offensive effort was sleepy yeah. um and, P- and they never really the made half. them work that hard yeah and, and i loved how they came out in the third quarter in this game like it was I, great yeah i i i do think and it's one of the things that that i've enjoyed about this team all season is when there's things obvious like that that we're seeing you know sitting on our couches at home where okay like it's a little sleepy you're just not being sharp like the the defensive rotations aren't there you're you're a half second slow in terms of offensive off execution they will often come out of the half and have the right mentality they will come out and make those changes they're a very self-aware team even listening to jared allen in, in the post game talking about you know like a lot of the turnovers yes orlando's long yes they were playing physical but a lot of it was unforced. It was mental errors. We just didn't play well. And I agree with that assessment. Sometimes you're just not going to play well. But that doesn't mean that there isn't still kind of, you know, you're never going to just not play well in a vacuum. Teams can force you into some bad habits. There's things that you can learn from the matchup. And and I think this is a really interesting matchup. Like, this is still, I, I know we, we said, um on the last podcast that this would be the matchup that we would like to see in the first round. I still strongly feel that way. I feel good about yes. how the Cavs would perform in a matchup, you know, preparing for, you know, a seven game series against this team. I think that they, they would do well, but I, I think it's one that can help them. Like if they do end up in that situation, I think it's one that can help them overcome some of the things that they need to, some of the, the growth opportunities they, that are they, needed. They for present this team. a lot of the challenge. They present yeah. a lot of the challenges the Knicks presented last year, just in a less talented package or a less polished and ready package. Like I think they are a really, really good team, man. They mm-hmm. have flaws, but they do things the right way. They have personnel that really, that really tests you. Um, and again, they were just kind of first to the punch, you yep. know. Like, like, and like, I think there's probably going to be a lot of people indexing on physicality uh and like i just i'm just not that worried about it i just think if they played better it wouldn't have been a problem uh i just don't think they played very well yeah yeah and there were and there were some times by the way where i will say in fairness even though i'm i'm hand waving a little like there were some times where it bothered them you know like Struce gets decked uh coming off a pin down he he looks at the ref as he screens for Darius and shoves his hip out to to deck Anthony Black. He's yeah. like, oh, you're, and then he gets an offensive foul. It's like the worst kind of like it's the most frustrating thing as a player. Okay, like hey, I just got fouled. Now you're gonna call me for a ticky tack, but you're almost kind of creating a self fulfilling prophecy by yeah. setting that screen the way well, you set it. 
To to be fair, if the Warriors were officiated in that way, they would never would have made it out of the first round. That, for, forget no, all they the titles they have. Of course uh, not. So, like, I I guess what I'm saying is like, I don't want to hand wave it entirely because there were times where it, it, I feel like it frustrated the Cavs, but I feel like that's treating the symptom, not the not the problem. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, I don't worry about the physicality the way that I did going into the playoffs last year because. I think the Cavs have taken on some incredibly physical matchups and done very, very well in them. It's, But again, it, it's one of those teams that can test you in, in your pressure points. And I, I really felt like there was that very chippy stretch in, in the third quarter where I think the game kind of got out of hand, took the refs a, a moment to, to kind of get everyone back in line. And I feel like the Cavs kind of lost the plot. Like the the sharpness and the focus that they had coming out of halftime that that helped them get back into that game and, and get the lead in the third quarter, I felt like they, they kind of lost their grip of the rope in that time. And Orlando, you know, th they made a few more shots than they typically do. Um, even though the, the Cavs, you know, weren't giving up a ton of shots, the, the Magic did hit the ones that they got. Um, and just, you know, sometimes that happens when, when you talk about a, a, an NBA game in particular but it's the nature of basketball like you lose focus for three minutes and that can be the difference uh between winning and losing in today's game because teams can go on those type of runs and it's such a momentum game that when you lose that sometimes it's tough to to recapture it especially if you're going from a a game where in the first half you just didn't have that at all you finally kind of get that groove you finally get going and then you lose your grip of the rope that's even harder to, to get back in, into that groove. Yeah, it, it is. I, that's all very fair, you know. Um, uh, but you know what's always in the groove just in our video conferencing software? Support for this podcast and the following message come from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat, workspaces, events, apps, and video. Zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe. Zoom, how the world connects. Hey guys, it's Ray from the Bobby Bone Show here to tell you the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Let's go! Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain from the road to the hills to the trails all over. And with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander, with three spacious rows of seating, up to eight passengers, yeah. And with available features like the panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer. Check out amazing national sales event deals on RAV4s, Highlanders, and more. Visit buyatoyota.com. That's buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Your teen requested a ride, but this time not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You drive your teenager around a lot to their friend Jacob's house, their other friend Jake's house, to James's, to Jaden's, to Jalen's, to... Uh, Mom, this is Jake's house, not Jacob's. Now with an Uber teen account, your teen can request a ride under your supervision. They'll ride with a highly rated driver, and with live trip tracking, you'll follow along the whole ride to their friends' houses that all sound the same. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details. Bye, Mom. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. 
Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Justin, I wanted to ask you about this. Kind of felt like it would be, a, this is like, kind of feels like the ultimate Dean Wade matchup. Mm-hmm. He only plays 13 minutes. He's minus nine. It's a block. It's a three. It kind of felt like one of those invisible Dean games, and maybe that's why he didn't get a ton of run. Um, but before I even set you up with a question, I'm just going to posit a premise, which is that I think if Dean had a quiet game, it's much more emblematic of how poorly the guards were getting guys into into actions and getting getting clean looks. Because um, I feel like this is a great Dean matchup. I thought he was playing okay. I would have liked to see more of him. Yeah, I, I think I would have liked to see more from him. So, like, when you talk about the Cavs going 9 or 10 deep, uh, you got four guys off the bench playing over 10 minutes in, in tonight's game. Uh, obviously, Isaac Okoro is typically part of that equation. He steps up and plays well with the starters. Um, but Nian getting 15 minutes and Wade getting 12, um, man, it, it, it's tough because I, I do feel like this is a matchup where I would have liked to have seen uh, more of Dean. I did notice, and, and I'll need to to confirm it when I do my rewatch tomorrow, but I, I did notice that he, he seemed a little slow-footed. Um, there was a time that uh, Franz Wagner, I believe, just kind of blew by him baseline for a dunk. Um, yep. Just the, the defensive rotations weren't necessarily there. Um, he did get, you know, when, when you look at that first quarter, some of the best looks that we got in that quarter were Dean Wade uh, open threes. And, and, you know, he he converted his first one. Uh, second, uh, they, they called a timeout before he got the, the look. Um, but I, I just, I agree with you. I, I, I didn't feel like I felt him out there as much as you normally would. And, and this is a matchup where with the number of, you know, 6'10 guys that the Magic have, you would think that, hey, this is where you go to Dean a little bit more. I, I am going to be interested to see, you know, as we continue to to go further in the season and, and as we continue to test things for how it feels, how we're going to use it in the playoffs, who is the, I guess, eighth man? Because Okoro and Lavert, those guys ha- have been among the best six men in, in the league this year. Best guys coming in off the bench. I think they are solidified as six and seven. But when it comes to George Niang and Dean Wade, who gets more minutes and, and kind of who gets the benefit of the doubt, I think it's going to be really interesting because I can understand on a night where you don't have it going offensively, you go to George a little bit more, even if it's, you know, the, the drives and the closeouts. And, uh, you know, he was efficient tonight, three or four, but I agreed with your assessment earlier in the podcast where he's losing the size and he's losing the, the speed battle. And, and I, I just felt like th- those minutes the Cavs were giving up a little bit too much. And when you talk about, oh, like, where's Mobley and Allen to, to clean up everything on the interior, it kind of felt a little bit like the Knicks series where guys are getting such a running start because they're, they're getting by George or they're getting by whoever the other perimeter guys are that you're really asking far too much of those big guys to, to clean up absolutely everything in those instances. Yeah, I, I, I think that's fair. You know, one lineup I would have liked to see a lot more of, or actually, I don't think they played a minute together. 
because I really liked the double bigs. I think the double big is a really good antidote to some of these push you around type of teams. Because mm-hmm. like if you start get playing volleyball, like you know Isaac had a few possessions like that. Uh, Mo had a few possessions like that. Cavs can just keep contesting and making it really hard to get a clean look. So even if you get an, an advantage, eventually like the gang rebounding is going to take over. Um, mm-hmm. Or the help is going to come while you're like fighting to burrow and into one dude's chest. Um, I would have liked to seen see more Dean at the three in this game um, next to Mobley and Allen. Like on a night where the offense was just uh, so okay. chunky. Gotcha. On a night where the offense was so chunky, it almost would have been nice just to say, hey, we're throwing out Ice, Dean, Evan, and Jarrett, and you will not score for the next five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we will get out and run. We'll have Darius try to t- try to orchestrate. We'll run high-low stuff. Like I like that lineup a lot. Constru- you know, and, and and I don't think they've played almost any minutes together structurally this year. Um, you know, remember there were stretches last year where we thought Dean might be the best starting three on the team. Uh, yeah. Obviously, in- injuries kind of wiped that out, but it's something I'd like to see them play with especially in these kind of rock fighty matchups where maybe they're getting out bigged you know Mm -hmm. i just i just felt like it was a lineup i would like to see yeah that's a really interesting point and i definitely think that this this is a matchup where you could go to lineups like that i did like the niang wade and allen minutes i don't think they necessarily made up any ground or, uh, you know, you, you look at Yang's plus minus, they very likely didn't, uh, but they I were did good in zone tonight in general. I w- that's what I was going to say. I, I liked, you know, throwing in zone, not every single possession, but, but throwing that in at times, I thought Orlando had a, a tough process getting to their shots and they made some late in the shot clock. Um, man, there, there was a lot of tough shots made, made over Isaac and, and some of those guys uh, tonight. Um, but, I, I like the process. I like going to that, um, it, especially in those Niang minutes. Like that might be something that the, the Cavs go to more the, this season is wait out there with Niang along with one of the bigs. Cause I think that's one of the ways that you can leverage his shooting while still having the amount of rim protection that you want to have. So I, I really do think that the, this is going to be the most interesting time of the year from an experiment experimentation standpoint just because you're forced by the schedule and, and by um you know the, the situations they're going to be put into kind of throw out a lot of different lineups and really use your depth i i think just like we learned some things with, with garland and mobley out of the lineup i think that there's going to be an opportunity to learn even more about the team during this time uh while you were monologuing there i was looking up lineup data uh, I, I was Mobley. looking it up too. <laughs> Evan Mobley, Dean Wade, and Jared Allen uh, have played 60 minutes together this year and and appeared in eight total games. Yeah. Uh, in those eight total games, they have a plus 4.4 net rating and a 91.5 D rating. Look at you. I, I was looking it up on Cleaning the Glass. Um, cleaning the Glass has them as a slight negative in terms of net rating and a 93.7 uh, defensive rating. But yeah, 100th percentile defensively in that lineup. No big surprise because all three of those guys are ridiculously good on the defensive end of the court. Yes, they are. So I don't know. I just felt like it was the one thing that like JB, the one card JB didn't play tonight. Mm-hmm. Um 
And on a night where it just didn't feel like any 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 of those you know hands he was laying down had, were working, um, you know, and that's not a JB slight. That's just a you know sometimes you just have nights where things don't always work. That's the one I would have liked to see because I just like I feel like our team is better than their team. So if we match their if we match their strength with our strength, like we 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 have an advantage there. Like some of this stuff, by the way, just is some feels bad man stuff. Like Cole Anthony hit like five backbreakers. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't think he, had, he took an easy shot tonight. Um, but you know, that's, it's also like you put yourself in a position to get your back broken when you make, when you play kind of listless offensive basketball. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree with that. And you know, the interesting thing. So th- one of the things you'd have to think about if you're going to go with Wade, Mobley, and Allen, and part of why I don't think, you know, it's easy to go to in this game in particular, you have to start to get really selective with your rotation management because you're trying to stagger the two bigs as much as possible, right? So that one of them is on the court at all times. And Wade is typically the guy that's coming in for them. So you almost have to go into your nightly rotation. Like if you are going into a playoff series uh, against the Magic, you almost have to factor in when you're bringing guys out and how you stagger them so that you can get some of the minutes with, with those three together. And um, obviously, you know, Niang's going to have to play a lot of power forward in those in that matchup if you're going to have Wade out there with the two of them like that's or you got to play the bigs more minutes you just got to play the right, Evan right. and Jarrett you know they played 34 a piece tonight you know in a playoff series they're going to be at 37 38 uh in a matchup that behooves Fair. them which this one does yeah yeah so I, I I think that would be something that you know playoff preparation would be different um but just wanted to you know as you were talking i was like that makes a lot of sense and but then i was thinking about the logistics of how you could have got to it tonight yeah yeah for sure hey guys rob parker here to tell you the national sales event is on at your toyota dealer making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new toyota truck like the rugged half-ton tundra workhorse by nature powerhouse by design the tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures and with the available iforce max hybrid powertrain you can take electrifying horsepower further than ever before or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma delivering trail dominating power and captivating style the new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true and with the new available tech this legendary truck is getting even better and when you buy a Toyota truck you buy Toyota dependability meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future so visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com Toyota, let's go places Your teen requested a ride but this time, not from you It's through their Uber teen account You probably drive your teenager around a lot They have gymnastics club, science club rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club and three hour clarinet club on Saturday night Perfect. Now with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision They ride with a highly rated driver and with live trip tracking you can follow along the whole ride thank you add your team to your uber account today see app for details residents at brightview senior living communities enjoy enhanced possibilities independence and choice 
Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I thought the other thing that I really want to bring up is just, we, we, you know, have in passing said that Isaac played really well, but man, it's great to see how far along he's come as a player. His finishes, uh, on the backboard, like some of those high, high finishes and, and his spinning, like it's been for a while now that in transition or, uh, attacking from the wing or, or, or those 45s, like he can really get to the basket and finish at a high, high level. Um, the, the rim numbers over his career have consistently been very good, uh, but I feel like his touch has gone to another level. And the confidence that I have in him as a shooter right now is off the charts. Like every time it's going up, I I feel like the release point is more consistent. It's coming out of his hand the same way. And it has a great shot of going in. If not, it's not like glancing off the backboard or, or the rim in a dramatic way. Um, he's up to a 40% three-point shooter now uh, after this game for the season. And Pretty just, nuts, man. Like we, we got a guy that just turned 23 years old that did a phenomenal, he did a phenomenal job on Paolo Bancaro defensively. Like when, when he was in that matchup in particular, he le- legit stayed in position, got his arm up and was able to bother some of those shots. I, I, I was beyond impressed with that, but you got a guy that's that good defensively, a completely elite defender. He's getting more crafty in his finishing. His passing is good. And now he's a 40% three point shooter. Like that is really, really encouraging. And you know, it's it's one of those things where that was the draft profile. Um, I, I remember he, he was, I, I forget if it was Schmitz or, or uh, Gavoni who had him number two or three on their big board, but basically said, I have him this high, but I believe it's going to be four or five years for the offense to come along. But when it does, he's going to be a big time difference maker. And I continue to just be so impressed with him. And I, I think it's one of the things this season for the Cavs that, still kind of has gone under the radar is the steps forward that he has taken as a player overall. Yeah. Well, it's funny. You mentioned, uh, you were talking about the bench and like, you know, you, that Karis and ice were, you know, the no doubter six, seventh man. I, I kind of almost am putting ice. I'm starting to put ice in a tier of his own, uh, among the bench players right now of hey, like, Donnie said he should be six man of the year. So he, he labeled him as six man. <laughs> Like, I just feel like I'm getting to the point where ice is a little bit matchup proof. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't, I feel like in years past there have been teams where I'm like, "Mm, I don't really know if this is Isaac's game. If we could replace him with just more of a pure shooter. Even nights where you'd be like, ah, like Isaac's nice, but Jetty's going to give us something different. Like, especially with the other players they've added, you know, with Donovan, uh, you know, being out of the team and Max being out of the team and all this stuff. I just kind of, I just kind of am at the point where I'm like, I just want to see him play 27, 28 minutes, you know? Uh, whereas like, I feel like I still go up and down with Karis, with Dean, with George, like I'm just starting to put ice in his own category uh, among the bench players. And maybe that's, 
a little bit of confirmation bias because I do like him. I really am fond of the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, he's just doing a lot of the stuff that I think the team sorely needs. But, uh, but screw it. That's kind of the way my brain is right now. I like where your brain is at right now. And it is going to sound funny to say, but I, I think one of the reasons why he should be matchup proof is he's a good influence. Like he's someone that raises the level of compete for everybody else that's on the court. He's someone that because of the way he gets out in transition kind of forces the issue and gets everybody else to, to get out and run um, the way that he's able to generate extra possessions, get in passing lanes. Um, like as long as this confidence comes as a shooter that he's continuing to take those attempts, I feel really, really good about him when, when he's out there on the court. And I agree with you. Like, I, I think as we look at the minute distribution throughout the season, you might need to have more games where Karras is down at the 24 minutes and 22, where we kind of had Isaac slotted in earlier in the season, just to make sure that, that Okoro's out there getting that those 28, 30 minutes per game. And, you know, of course, all of this comes with the caveat that it's merit-based, right? Like we, we've seen that with JB is, as guys play better and as guys earn more opportunities, they are going to be given those opportunities. But I just think with how consistently he has played since, you know, they shut him down and gave that knee some opportunity to, to recover. Um, he's just been so consistent and I've just liked all of the minutes that we've gone from him. And, you know, I just and, thought of and- something as I, I was saying that it is funny that, you know, that was one of those injuries that I really worried about especially, you know, it being the same knee as the playoffs. I worried about Jared Allen's foot. And I think the Cavs need to get credit for how they manage both of those injuries, you know, holding them out, making sure that they weren't bringing them back too soon. Allen was on the minute restriction. The fact that those haven't been recurring issues, you know, continue to knock on wood. Um, But I, I think that speaks a lot to just how closely that's been monitored, how those injuries have been managed and, and their ability to to keep these guys healthy. Yeah, and I do want to say, in fairness to a guy like Karras, he's just going through one of his swings that is on the low end of the of of the arc. You know, oh yeah, he's been phenomenal and, this year. Like and, as and a six la- man, he's in been his very last good. Six games, he's got four, four, thirteen, eleven, five, six points, uh, and he's only made two threes, uh, three threes in those yeah. six games. Yeah. So my, it's like my comments. Yeah, of course. Right now, of- I'm. Yeah, I, I guess what I'm saying is, of course, right now I'm like Isaac should be in his tier of his own. You know, like if Karras goes on a two week heater, I'll probably be like, yeah, it's a two. Those two guys should be in that 25 to 30 minutes almost every night, no matter what. So it's just one of those things where, like, I just kind of, I just feel like Ice's floor is a little higher right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, you're gonna get the stuff you're asking from Karras from other guys. Uh, yeah. If everything is going well, you're not going to get what Isaac is giving you from other guys. You just can't because yeah. they don't have the capability. Yeah. And, and part of this is, you know, the minute crunch and whatnot is because there's so many guys that deserve minutes, right? Like, um, it, it's not necessarily a reflection of how consistent you are and, uh, you know, oh, we, we got to like punish you and bring your minutes back or whatever the case may be. B, you want to make sure that everybody is getting enough minutes to kind of get a feel for each individual game, make sure that their confidence is high so that when you do call on them later in the season, that that is still intact and that is there. Um, 
And you just can't do that if you're only playing like five minutes, right? Like one shift isn't going to give you a real feel for the game. Like you look at, at Darius and how frustrated he was, seemed to be uh, with himself after the first quarter. And, you know, he, he got enough playing time to, to work through that and have a, a very strong second half and finish with, you know, 18 points and 10 assists. You want to make sure that everybody coming in off the bench is still finding a groove and getting enough minutes that, you know, if it happens to be their night, that you're able to recognize that and then capitalize on that by by giving them enough minutes and giving them the run to to go out there and you know make a difference in the individual game. Yeah, I think that that's absolutely fair. Uh, dumb question: Are you are you at all worried about Sam Merrill? Uh, he's just had a few more quiet games as of late, um, and you know. Are you at all worried about just the fact like he's just not getting the run to get comfortable? I'm not crazy worried, but I thought I should at least ask. I'm not because I, I think some of it does have to do with matchups. Like you talked about, you know, only getting a couple shots up in 12 minutes. There's other games where he'd get 17 shots up in, in you know, 12 minutes, right? Like he's a very, very <laughs> Maybe not 17 in 12 minutes, but. Hey, who knows? I, I you know, I, I wouldn't put it past him. Um, but my my point is like he can put up a lot of volume in a short period of time and he's someone that like even when you look at how he came in uh at the start of the season when he just started to get some opportunities like that's a guy that is always prepared that always stays ready that you know he's going to practice it like it's a game um so i'm not really worried about it i think some of it is matchup some of it is ebb and flow uh for a shooter like even the best shooters in the world like steph believe had an 0 for 9 game this year right and, and then he's going to have his stretches where he goes nuts um i just think that he had a little bit of difficulty getting open in this particular game or the times that he did get open uh the pass wasn't coming in a timely enough manner for him to get those shots up because that's the other side of that coin um so i'm not worried about it i think that's a guy whose confidence is very very low on my list of concerns yeah, me neither. Just thought, thought I should ask since it's two like weird low volume games in a row, and like he's having to acclimate from going to be a from being a twenty to twenty five minute guy to back to an eight to twelve. Yeah, and eight to twelve has got to be one of the hardest jobs in the NBA. That's no time, man. That's two four minute shifts or two five minute shifts. Um, you know, so that that is that is obviously like, you know, anyone who can thrive in that can thrive anywhere. In any construct, in any context, yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm sure in, in those games where he's got it going and, and, and it's clicking, he's going to get a little bit more run, and he's going to be relied upon. Uh, same with all of these guys because they've got a lot of, you know, five games in seven days. Uh, we're, we're at the start of one now. Um, massive matchup already against Philadelphia tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll see if Donovan Mitchell is going to be available. Uh, obviously missed this one with an illness. Uh, illness is not something that, you know, goes away <laughs> in a timely manner. Uh, so hopefully, fingers crossed, he's able to play. If not, uh, you know, hopefully he's back by, by Sunday at the latest. We will be going live after Sunday's game. Um, big thanks to everyone that tuned in live at, at, with this podcast. Make sure if you're watching on YouTube, you like and subscribe. Click notification bell so you know when we're going live. If you're listening via podcast and you want to support us, leave us a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, send a screenshot of the review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, yo Cavs.
Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Your teen requested a ride, but this time, not from you. It's through their Uber teen account. You probably drive your teenager around a lot. They have gymnastics club, science club, rec soccer club, school soccer club, club soccer club, and three-hour clarinet club on Saturday night. Perfect. Now, with an Uber teen account, you can be there even when you can't. It's an Uber account that allows your teen to request a ride under your supervision. They ride with a highly rated driver. And with live trip tracking, you can follow along the whole ride. Thank you. Add your teen to your Uber account today. See app for details.